Hi, my name is Akash. And my name is Shreeman. And we're introducing our new podcast called Tech Z. We're going to be talking about、um, a lot of consumer products from different companies from around the world, including Apple, Samsung, Huawei. And because it's the end of the year here,、um, there's going to be a lot of products introduced, and we want to cover them all and explain to you what our ideas and thoughts are about these、uh, products. So. Today is the Apple event, as you guys know.、Um, there were some interesting moments with HomePod, iPhone, and multiple accessories. So let's kick it off with HomePod. Shuman? Okay, so today Apple unveiled the HomePod Mini, the, basically a smaller version of HomePod that they released a few years ago. And this has the same.、Um, Sound system as they used in HomePod, so basically top notch sound quality. And、um, it,、uh, it, it connects with your smart home so that it, it unveils the more features. And this all comes for only $99. And、uh, to go more in depth, Akash can talk about the,、um, the sound quality and stuff like that. Okay, so. As you guys all know, the original HomePod was $399, and for that price, it was Apple Music, but it had a really exceptional、uh, soundstage.、Um, with this HomePod Mini, I think they've tried to engineer that into the HomePod with the、uh, computational audio with the 360 degree sound. So, if they can achieve that level of sound quality, I think this will be a big hit. Yeah, and this time they, add, they did add support for more services, so not just Apple Music,、um, may, many different radio stations and different、um, music services such as、uh, Pandora and Amazon Music. And like, one thing that I noticed quickly when they said that was how they left out、uh, Spotify, and maybe because.、Um, Spotify is currently going against Apple and antitrust lawsuits in Europe and about like Apple's dominance over. Yes, Apple Music and Spotify have had their history and、um, their lawsuit and their disagreements on how to、uh, approach the consumers of the Apple ecosystem、uh, have affected. The audience of Spotify as they migrated to Apple Music. So, Apple and Spotify's relationship has been dwindling. So, if you're hoping to use Spotify with your HomePod Mini, I'm afraid that's not a possibility. Other things I also noticed was the lack of Bluetooth support, or at least they didn't express it、uh, in the keynote. And I think that is because they want to limit the customer base into. Just using iPhones and iPads and Apple Watches. So they,、um, tight, they integrate their tightly woven ecosystem. Yeah, and so, like, even if they didn't have Bluetooth support, like, there are many iPhone users. So, so maybe we don't, we don't know because HomePod doesn't have like a very big market share in the smart speaker. Uh, area, so we have to see how this is going to play out, especially since this is a very right, right.、Uh, good competitor for Google's recently revealed、uh, Nest Audio. So that's also something to consider, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the that's the main competitor for the HomePod Mini. So the Nest Audio is unveiled alongside the Pixel devices a couple of weeks back, and it's gained a lot of support because it's a small and compact home speaker that's integrated the likes of the Google Nest Mini and as well as a really s- strong sound base. So an all-in-one machine like that for $99 is a steal to buy for any home. And so I think Apple is looking to capitalize on that market share and introducing the HomePod Mini as well. So what, what do you think is the better product objectively, Shreeman, here? Um, well, like, I, I know how other smart speakers you can use with iPhone, but in this case, HomePod is only... specifically designed just for the iOS and iPhone experience here so and it one thing to consider like a when comparing Nest Audio and HomePod HomePod is deeply integrated into the experience so everything is will seem much more connected what compared to when if you use iPhone with a Nest Audio Right, right. And I think the HomePod mini not having support for other devices, just Android and uh, tablets and others like that, um, it's a sign that Apple is trying to narrow down uh, users from other ecosystems so they can capitalize and build on their own. Um, I think we expected that because it's a very Apple-esque move because they like to circle off their ecosystem with products of their own. Uh, Commonly said is uh, making solutions to problems that they created previously. So yeah, uh, it's an interesting product and we'll see how it stacks up to the Nest Audio. Moving on to the next product, announcement from today was the four new iPhones. So there was the iPhone 12, 12 mini, and the 12 Pro and Pro Max. So starting off with all four iPhones was the introduction of 5G and their partnership with Verizon and their ultra ultra wideband service. So what do you think about this? Um... Yeah, it was interesting to see how uh, Verizon, in this case, was explaining how they were going to expand their service across the country. And one thing to note, take note here, like, even if Android companies, they did release 5G before, last year they released it as, like, a separate phone, so not, not that many people had it. Only from this year did they start uh, including it... Uh, together with the whole phone and not like a separate luxury and one thing one thing to take note here is that like when apple does something normally it always like it's somewhat of a kickstart to the whole thing even if other companies have done it so in this case i think uh, apple releasing 5g at this point and you see many other people like there's this is this year's a huge upgrade cycle for many people so this is gonna kickstart 5g everywhere basically and verizon expanding their service even more helps to that pause right right and uh, i think we've seen this in the past with um, st- um phones such as the iphone 3g that kicked off the 3g trend um 
uh, as well as the exclusion of the headphone jack in the iPhone 7. That started a lot of uh, trends as well. And of course, the iPhone 10 started off the notch trend, and that has a brief stage in the smartphone industry. So the introduction of 5G here is very important because Apple and Verizon's, Verizon have partnered up and uh, released their 5G nationwide service. So they're setting 5G not as a luxury item, but as the standard from now on. So I think that's really important to consider because they want to see the future not as we're moving into 5G, we're already there at 5G. So I think that's really important to embrace that technology and move forward with that. Okay, yeah, so and other features of iPhone 12 and 12 mini, uh, um, ever since uh, Apple released a, a budget iPhone with like uh, a Face ID budget iPhone, such as like X, uh, iPhone XR and iPhone 11, they used LCD displays, which is normally uh, uh, not that good when compared to other screens. It's when compared to the average user, they might not see such a big difference. But when you compare an OLED iPhone with an LCD iPhone, there's a much difference. So this year they're bringing they're uh, using OLED standard throughout all yeah. their iPhones, and they're also adding a ceramic shield on top of the screen. So it's for According to the according to Apple, it's four times more res, more resistant and durable. But we have to see how that plays out in the normal world because, like in the end, glass is still glass. It's it still has a it's still prone to breaking. Right, right. Uh, glass is glass is always brittle. Yeah. So um, there was also the introduction of yes, the Super Retina XDR OLED. So that I think it's an interesting move because we expected. The pricing, we'll get onto that later as we finish up the 12 and 12 mini, it's higher than expected. So I think this was, a, this was a, one of the contributing factors of introducing the OLEDs on their uh, more budget-friendly option, you could say. So um, there was the introduction of the A14 Bionic chip, which capitalizes on the uh, new 5 nanometer TFC process. So... Uh, this is an interesting uh, step for Apple as they try to uh, step ahead, uh, keep moving ahead of uh, the competing uh, chip manufacturers from Qualcomm, Huawei, and others. So I think they are well ahead of um, the rest of the smartphone industry. But uh, one thing to note is that their phones are, they, they have very capable phones with very capable hardware. but the screens themselves aren't exactly as fast as we would like. And so that leads us to the question of why Apple didn't include a high refresh rate model on either their baseline and Yeah, so what do you I was think? kind of disappointed by the fact that they didn't include a 120 hertz in at least their pro models, which we'll get to later. But the absence of it was kind of like, it leaves a question of like why they didn't leave it. No, why didn't sorry? Why didn't they uh, put it? So like I've I've seen many people talk about this, and like one person said or or said that uh how like when they started to make i iPhone twelve, they had like leaving out five G was like uh 
a thing that they could do because they would be like already behind if they didn't include 5G so they had to include 5G but in the end it was they had to choose between 5G and 120 hertz because of battery so like as you might not know or might know like 5G is uh, very powerful but at the same time it can also uh drain your fat battery a little bit more so we have to see how Apple tackled that situation of a battery chemistry between 5G but in this case, they had to choose between 5G and 120Hz. And to the average consumer, 120Hz is not a big deal. Yeah. Right, and, and so the name of this event was High Speed. So um, Apple decided to infer speed as data transfer speeds. So here, 5G was the high, they said, to speed. But they could have also said hi to the refresh rate, but it's easier to explain to people that 5G is faster because you have numbers, you have, you can see, you can show how data transfer speeds have gone from A to B, from 200 megabits per second to four gigabits per second. But refresh rate, you cannot express with numbers. You have to be able to be there to experience. And I think that's that as a marketing feature might not hit home to a lot of people that are buying the iPhone simply because they don't believe it's it's it, it'll reach more than just the tech enthusiast. It'll reach home to um, the average consumer. So I think that's where they cut the they cut the line and uh, excluded the high refresh rate. So um, one thing to note was the introduction of League of Legends to iPhone. So I think with the introduction of the A14 Bionic chip, they had the um, CPU headroom and the GPU headroom to introduce the A14 Bionic. So uh, it's an interesting thing because uh, League of Legends used to be only able to run on high-end CPUs and, and personal computers. So introducing it on a mobile platform is an indication of a very... Uh, high-performing CPU. Yeah, and one more thing with 5G, this, I don't know if this is like an iPhone-only feature, but they added smart data mode. So I might think it's an iPhone-only feature where uh, your iPhone can recognize like when to use 5G and when to use 4G to conserve battery life. So instead of just like constantly searching for 5G, which like kind of drains your battery, it will automatically switch between 4G and 5G to give you the best optimal experience. Yeah, because um, people that people that mostly buy iPhones aren't uh, able to micromanage how much data and how much battery they use. And having something like this, doing it in the background, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll improve their outlook on iPhone by improving their battery life beyond their expectations. So uh, yeah, I think it'll be good for Apple and uh, their customers. And um, one main thing for iPhones this year is the design change, if we didn't talk about that before. This year, um, instead of the uh, the curvy edges that you might have seen on from like the iPhone 6 and above, where uh, the it has like a curved edge on the sides of the iPhone, this year they're going, it's more of a boxy shape like it's curved around the top on the four edges, but it's mostly a box in like a rectangular shape. Uh, very similar to how it uh, the design looks compared to uh, the iPhone 4 and iPhone 5, iPhone 5S. 
Right, right. And I think a lot of people liked that because uh, it was a more classy look with the boxy and more stylish, some would say, um, look. And uh, a lot of people were asking for that. And I think Apple listened to their consumer base and uh, implemented that in the new series. So uh, I think that's it. And we're going to talk about the new, the, one of the biggest introductions to iPhone is MagSafe. Yeah, so um, this year, Chloe, first, if you didn't know, MagSafe was a, char- a proprietary, charger, proprietary charger that they included on their Macs until up, I think up until 2015, I would assume. It was basically a magnet charger, which was very unique and very good too, because at the same, if uh, it automatically would disconnect from your laptop if someone would trip over it, and overall it was very efficient, um, I would say. So, yeah. So in this year, in all new four models, they're adding a magnet to the back of the iPhone 12 models. Uh, so like, and many many different accessories will attached to that magnet so one thing they made was a magsafe charger which would connect to your phone on the back of your iphone and it will let you charge it um card slots even cases are magnetic so this will help um make your phone more durable and safe so you want want to talk about the magsafe chargers like different varieties yeah um so uh they introduced or do you, okay, so let's talk about the necessity for these MagSafe chargers. So this year, um, Apple on all of their iPhone models uh, excluded the power adapter as well as the headphone cable to decrease the box size and uh, decrease their uh, carbon footprint on the environment. And I think that's a very good way of putting it. And so the MagSafes are. Um, it's an it's a solution for a problem they created. So they created, uh, some people may not have the uh, USB-C ended uh, power adapter that the USB-C cable is provided in the iPhone boxes. So these MagSafes are a stylish and cool way to get uh, a somewhat wireless charging-esque experience and as well as get uh, a variety of accessories such as the wallet, uh, some cases, and so uh, it's a good way to market. Yeah, um... Also, one thing to know about chargers, like you might be worrying that they didn't include the brick, but one thing that we all realize is that we already have an, a lot of chargers at home. Like we we have an excess amount of chargers and that leads to a lot of problems, especially for the environment when you like decompose it because an excess amount will always lead to more damage in the environment. So what Apple thought was, let and good thing that they didn't change the phone for the pin because a lot of people already have like a brick for their cable and a, and a lightning uh cable and pin so that won't be a problem like once they get this USB-C to lightning cable most people most people might not even use it only like some people might use it so it, it might some people might take it in the wrong sense when they first see it, like when they first get their box, like, oh, why isn't the charger here? But over time, they're going to realize, oh, I didn't even need it in the first place. Right. There uh, are a lot of chargers out there. I think Apple mentioned something like 2 billion chargers. That's a lot of power adapters. And uh, 
bricks out there. So any way to minimize the carbon footprint is something Apple is um, very happy to do. So um, the alternative would be using your old power adapter or use using, uh, you should have, if you're buying an iPhone, a uh, brand new one, you should have uh, probably a newer generation Mac and they have the USB-C ports. So you can just uh, connect your iPhone to the USB-C ports and charge through there as well. Um, we're going to talk about the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max right after a word from our sponsor. This episode was sponsored by Anchor. All right, we're back. Before we go to the Pro models, um, the iPhone 12, 12 is a 6.1 inch phone, while the 12 mini is a 5.4 inch phone. So the 12 mini is like, think of think of like an iPhone 7 or 8, but full screen, but it's a marginally smaller. So this is like, this is for the people who don't like how many smartphone companies are, are uh, increasing the size of their smartphones. So Apple looked at that and said, Let, let's capitalize on that. Let's create a small iPhone because a lot of people like the design factor of that. So. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, market to capitalize on because some people were um, hesitant to get the iPhone SE, which was made for uh, people that liked the small form factor because of the outdated design and the smaller screen. And so with the iPhone 12 mini, it's a step into the latest and greatest that Apple has to offer with their camera department and the processor, as well as the design. So it's interesting. So the 12 Pro, it is the replacement for the 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max from last year. Um, it has a similar uh, boxy rectangular design, as Schumann mentioned, to the 12 and 12 mini. So um, the screen sizes on the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max are 6.1 inches and 6.7 inches for the larger Max model. So uh, for these, uh, the main improvements here, additionally to the 12 and 12 Mini uh, line, is the camera as well as the LiDAR introduction for uh, improved uh, AR and autofocus. So, Shimon, you want to explain them through that? Yeah, so, um, if we didn't mention, the 12 and 12 mini only have an ultra-wide and wide camera, which are, which are both really good, but in, um, in this case, the 12 Pro have ultra-wide, wide, and a telephoto camera in, in this situation. So it gives you more variability on how you want to uh, take your photo. And um, one, some main things about what they did for the pro version of the cameras is they added deep fusion on all four cameras, which is like Apple's uh, way of making their photos much better through a variety of software. So it's like different layers. And... Um, on the Pro Max, you can zoom up to 2.5 times optical zoom, which is really, which is really good, I think. And some, there are many different small changes in each, uh, 
in each camera so like wide camera gains is now going to capture 27 percent more light and now this time the wide lens has like a new seven element camera so like it, it would increase the sharpness and um akash you want to go more um yes also um there was a slight uh improvement in the hdr uh support for the computational photography i think they called it hdr3 and um smart hdr3 and so that's going to provide a better dynamic range for your um, daylight and uh, daylight photography um, Another thing to note in the video front, they introduced support for Dolby Vision video recording. So you can capture Dolby Vision, edit, um, you can view Dolby Vision. And uh, so that's a really big step for or any phone in that matter because Dolby Vision is uh, it's a very demanding uh, uh, video architecture and to be able that, to able to integrate that into a phone that you can just slip into your pocket is a very uh, huge step for Apple so I congratulate them on that and um, I think I said this wrong but on the 12 Pro Max they actually have five times optical zoom range and there there are some specific bigger upgrades to the Pro Max camera system when compared to the Pro camera system so in the Pro Max camera system they have 87% low light photos they have much more bigger pixels and there's a new sensor shift optical image stabiliz stabilization and I think uh, for night mode this, this this pertains to all models but they're adding night mode time lapse and they're also adding night mode for the front camera this time so uh, basically mm, night mode yeah. is more detail in the night and more light which they bring more light into the into the dark image so and this is like without flash or anything if you don't know what night mode is right right so night mode is basically uh, a long exposure shot in order to capture as much light as possible and better expose uh, the frame in a really low lit environment so on the 12 pro and 12 pro max on their regular wide angle uh, cameras uh, the pro max has a as more pixels in one single aperture so it's able to capture a bigger frame and uh, um, let more light through so that night mode that long exposure shot should take less time so that's an advantage you have on the 11 pro max as well as um, the new addition of their new codec apple pro raw so this is basically it's a raw uh, format for your photography and uh, Apple also plays a role in getting some things that you might want to do already so it combines the best of both worlds raw and uh, the Apple imaging pipeline pipeline yes and now yeah, one major thing that they did add to the camera this time is a lidar sensor which helps uh, Apple gain more territory on their augmented reality uh, portion of what they're trying to do. So basically, Apple has been trying to has has gained a marginal lead into augmented reality when compared to other companies. So this time they're adding it for average users to come and 
uh, see how AR is going to play. And Akash, you want to talk about how like LiDAR sensor will play into like a normal photo experience? Right. Okay. So yes, the introduction of the LiDAR camera is uh, derived from the iPad Pro refresh that they introduced earlier this year. So we saw that um, and the capabilities that it had on the iPad with uh, certain apps and uh, games and stuff. So you can use that. But on the phone aspect, it's uh, it comes into the workplace as and the camera. So the workplace, uh, Apple showcased this app called JigSpace, I think it was called. And it was a way to uh, simulate or emulate the uh, workspace and uh, show how different instruments and uh, workplaces would uh, use uh, machines and where to uh, put them and how the workflow would uh, work with these LiDAR cameras. So it's uh, one way of integrating it and uh, I think that's a really uh, really a useful way to do that. So um, that, that was interesting and I think that will come into more workplaces soon. The other introdu introdu introduction was the uh, introduction of their autofocus mechanism using a LiDAR camera. So on low light uh, f shots, you can't rely on the camera to make these autofocus decisions because there's not that much light uh, pre-processing. So before processing, uh, the camera isn't able to see the subject as well as a true radar camera. So using LiDAR is able to make a sort of depth map that uh, previous Android devices use using la uh, laser autofocus and uh, these depth sensors, but uh, Apple's taking a different approach with the LiDAR sensor, and uh, we'll see how that works with uh, tests later on. Yeah, so um, we now, like, we know before, well, like, before um, well, some time ago, iPhone used to be the camera king, if you want to call it, and then, like, as time progressed, like, on once they started releasing, like, iPhone 7, 8, 10, um, that's when they started to fall down in the ranks. And that's when other companies such as Samsung and Google shot up. And now Pixel camera quality is one of the best. And iPhone was slacking here and there, but with 11 Pro, they did manage to at least uh, share the first place spot with pixel and with pixel so now we have right. to see if this if the pro and the pro max camera is it still somewhat equal with the pixel camera or is it finally is it, is it finally going to edge it out right right because um there was a lot of, there were a lot of tech reviews that said that pixel was a very if it came to the right situation with the right lighting and right subjects and right background and a mixture of everything, Pixel absolutely blows the iPhone out of the water in computational photography in those certain circumstances. But as an all-round camera experience, I think iPhone 11 Pro that last year took the crown as the camera overall king. So this year, let's see if the 12 Pro can uh, live up to the Pixel 5's uh, computational photography hype. So... Let's talk about pricing and our opinions on what is the, the biggest surprise and value proposition of this year. So pricing this year is going to start with the 12 and 12 mini series being at 12 mini is going to start at $699 for the 128 gig variant. And the regular 12, the 6.1 inch is going to start at $799 for the 128 gig variant. 
the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max are going to replace their 11 Pro, 11 Pro Max counterparts by uh, with the exact same price, but just a bump up in storage in 128 gigs. So what do you think about those pricing options? Apple pricing their 12 mini at 699 and then the 12 at 799, I think is a really good move because let's just say in these four new models, 80% or maybe even higher are going to are going to lean more towards the 12 mini and 12 because not that many people like give that much emphasis to every single small camera detail they gave in the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. And there aren't like m- that much vast differences if when you compare the 12 Pro and the the 12 Pro series and the 12 series. In this case, uh, like material wise, 12 Pro uses much more quality materials such, such as um, stainless steel, but like the 12 uses aluminum. And like they're like, it's like incremental small upgrades to the 12 Pro and Pro Max. So not that many people are going to give emphasis to that. So yeah, I can see a lot of people buying the 12 mini and 12 and like you a majority of maybe tech enthusiasts might buy the 12 Pro and Pro Max, but the relatively small, relatively small share of the, uh, of the, of society buying a 12 Pro. Right. And I think uh, Apple made a very smart move uh, as of uh, the 10s and 10s Max series with the 10R splitting off as a more budget-oriented uh, smartphone uh, category. So it, it allowed for people that are regular, everyday consumers of the iPhone to purchase these uh, cheaper alternatives to have an iPhone feel, having the same architecture, the same CPU, and uh, most of the same camera features without those extra tiny features that are only relevant to people that are looking for it. So by offering them a lower price tag, it gave them a larger incentive to purchase that cheaper model. So I think the 12 and 12 mini here are uh, appropriately priced. Um, as for the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max, it's an it's uh, expected. A 999 and 1099 was the exact price of the Pro and Pro Max models last year. So I think they did a good job with uh, keeping that and uh, keeping their profit margins uh, where it was for the past two or three years. Yeah. So and um, in 2018, when they released the uh, 10s, 10s Max, and 10R, they marketed it as 10R being the budget phone and 10S and 10S Max being the entry level iPhone. Like, if you want something less, get the 10R. But if you want the standard experience, get the 10S. But last and last year and this year, they marketed a little bit different. They and they changed the naming too. So last year, um, the 10R successor is 11. So they made the 11 the standard entry level iPhone as saying, if you want. All the, all the necessary features get the 11 but if you want something even more then get 11 pro so that's that's the same thing they're doing this year with the 12 and 20 that's like the standard now so if you want the everything and everything you want without any drawbacks you get the 12 and 20 but if you want something even more even you want to go even further further then get 12 pro and 12 pro max right so 
This year, the we were expecting for the 12 mini for it to come in a little bit less than 699, I think, and some people were expecting for it to be 649 and 749 for the 12 and 12 mini, the 12 mini and 12 exit respectively. So I think they justified that price tag by including extra features that kind of close the gap between the pro models and the the regular standard models. So the introduction of the OLED screen, the MagSafe, the 5G, all of that is identical to the pro models. And so there's less and less reason to get the pro models over the regular models unless you're absolutely cemented on the idea of doing HDR video or a lot of vlogging or you're cemented on the idea of a high ref high resolution screen. So there's really no reason to get the 12 Pro unless you're looking for the best, best, absolute best iPhone you can buy right now. So that's my opinion. And also, I think, I think it costs, I think, uh, I think you might have said this wrong, but only the 12 Pro and Pro Max are starting at 128 gigs this year. The 12 and 12 mini are starting are still starting at 64 gigs so maybe that's something to consider too right okay my bad guys so i think that was um the end of the apple event so shimon what are you let's finish this podcast off with uh what are you expecting from apple in the coming months coming months so i follow a lot of a lot of leaks and stuff so what so what from what we can see from after this iphone event is um, Apple releasing their uh, custom ARM MacBooks, at least one model by the end of this year. Um, so that's something to see. That's something very exciting because Apple hasn't done this before uh, because they've depended on Intel for a majority of their Mac, Mac experience. So we're going to see if the Mac chips can live up to the Intel power that they give MacBooks and maybe even more. Yeah, I think um, they've uh, they've introduced a lot of their mainstream models already, so I think it's just building on that. Uh, we're expecting AirPods Studio and AirTags to drop sometime next year. Um, of course, uh, Apple promised in their WWDC event that they're going to introduce um, the first member of their ARM MacBooks, as you said. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the industry responds with uh, to that. So... It's going to be a very interesting couple of months. Um, so I think that's it for today. Um, my name is Akash. And my name is Shreeman. And thank you for coming to TechZ. All right. See you guys later. Bye.